Hey, everybody, and welcome to Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, the podcast. I'm your host, Brian Chairs, and on today's debut episode, I'm joined by my best friend, Mike Palladino, and we talk about all things happening in the world of professional wrestling. We talk about Kenny Omega, WWE TLC, the Royal Rumble, Impact Wrestling, AEW, and so much more. This is the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs podcast. Joining me today is my best friend and the owner and founder of Evolution Grappling Academy, Mike Palladino. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Good, man. What's going on? Nothing much. It's just uh, Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? No, it's Tuesday. 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 Getting ready for the holidays and uh, looking forward to Christmas. Awesome. You got any plans for Christmas? I think we're just going to hang out, lay low, quarantine yeah. Christmas. Yeah, same here. Did, uh, did you see your parents or anything for Thanksgiving? I did see my parents. Yeah, okay, my cool. Sister. Cool. Are you going to do that for Christmas or just I don't you guys? No, I think we're just going to lay low. Yeah, same here. My parents are actually coming by today. They're going to uh, drop off some presents and they're going to pick their stuff up. And it's just it's a weird year. It's an insane year. Absolutely insane. Definitely. Speaking of weird years, it's not just weird in life, but in wrestling. Like, have you been following wrestling lately? Like, what do you what are your thoughts on like the Thunderdome and just no fans? Yeah, it's been kind of crazy. It's been really cool to see how uh, how some of these companies have come up with ways to keep business going. You know, at first I I thought like a lot of businesses would would a lot of the wrestling promotions would suffer. The no fans was super weird. Like watching WrestleMania with no fans was just I don't know. It was the weirdest thing in the world to me. And then seeing how AEW did it, and they were the first ones to start having like wrestlers in the crowds you know and creating crowd noise and creating some sort of fan reaction i thought that was really cool and i i like how wwe has kind of gone and done the whole thing with the the screens uh, it's it's kind of cool but still not as cool as the limited fans that aew has been running right now yeah it's it's crazy because like you, you watch the all the other sports like i know baseball and everything had those cardboard cutouts and stuff so you would think the thunderdome would be like an awesome idea with like the video screens and it's cool but then like you said when you see AEW have live fans in attendance, even if it's just 500 people, nothing beats like that roar of the crowd, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you really get to see what, in my opinion, you get to see what, what the crowd's popping for. You can't really see that in the, the Thunderdome, you know what absolutely, I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't really tell what people are popping for. And yeah. Uh, yeah, the wrestlers don't get that same sort of energy fed back to them that they do if, you know, like you have that live crowd there. Yeah. Have you jumped in the Thunderdome at all? No, I have not. Have you? Yeah, I did it like when it first started, I, I went in there and uh, they kind of tell you what to say. And like, they'll say like, you know, uh, Randy Orton's coming out next. So, you know, let us know what you, uh, what, let us know what you think about him, like cheer or boo, however you want. And it's just like, all right. Like it was cool to do once, but I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. It's super automated. Yeah. Yeah. They had a guy directing and like telling you like when to put your hands up, when to clap, like when to like don't do anything and just watch like it, it was it was cool to do once but i haven't done it again since yeah. i think that was like august yeah it's bizarre man it's definitely bizarre i really liked uh i think it might have even before been before any sort of fan capacity but when um when aew had the wrestlers basically in the crowd banging on stuff and making noise and booing it it was cool you know it, it with any sort of situation when you have a setback obviously like the pandemic to see like uh 
to see people get creative to to bring energy back into something was was really cool and AEW definitely has in my opinion done the best job of it yeah I, I agree with that 100 percent um I guess we'll start there with AEW uh what are your thoughts on how dynamite has been lately I mean basically the whole wrestling world changed about two three weeks ago when Kenny Omega won the AEW title from John Moxley yeah uh speaking of omega it's just like i thought that was probably and this can i can expand further just and we both can on on just the the difference between aew and wwe but i thought that it was such a great strategy to have a slow build for omega i mean when aew opens up and they begin their first inaugural show i think everyone that's a wrestling fan thought that Omega was instantly going to be the top star. I mean, he's coming off of being the uh, IWGP heavyweight champion and, and, you know, the AAA champion, he's coming off of all these big, huge pushes in wrestling. And then he goes to AEW and he just kind of gets pushed to the bottom of the shuffle. And as we know, it was planned, you know, and at first I was even upset. I was like, what the hell, man, I want this guy, this guy's the star here. This is who I'm tuning in for. And it was such a good slow build, like long-term booking, right. To get him back into the top of the picture. And now they're going in with their cross promotion with impact. And I think it's, it's super, super awesome to see the uh, long-term booking pay off for AEW with Kenny Omega. Absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, like you said, I mean, I thought when they first started, I thought he was going to be the first champion. And uh, when they went with Jericho and Hangman in that first match for the title, I thought Hangman was going to win it. But looking back on it, you know, having Jericho be the first champion, probably the best decision they could have made. Yeah, I don't think that anyone, uh, I'll tell you the truth, I did not think that that Jericho was going to be their first champion. Um, I thought he was just going to be like kind of like a veteran yep. who came in, helped put guys over and and uh, that would, would be basically what his role was denominated to. But they went a total swerve, and Jericho had a huge revival in his career. You know, I remember, you know, basically his last days at WWE, he was kind of getting lost in the middle mid-card, you know. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, he had a great, the great kind of uh, teaming and pairing with uh, Kevin Owens. But, like, mid-card is basically what he, was, what he was denominated to. And then he comes to AEW, and he's just – pushed man and uh absolutely super cool definitely you you mentioned kevin owens and uh this is a little off topic but i don't know if, do you have twitter i do not okay so kevin owens tweeted uh either this morning or last night after the tlc match with roman reigns that uh somebody asked him you know why didn't you have any help and uh kevin owens said you know over my career i've kind of turned on people so nobody wanted to help me and then jericho retweeted him and said i would have made the Cisave brother <laughs> that's hilarious it was great <laughs> but yeah Jericho being the first champion was uh, definitely a good move and then they transitioned to Moxley I thought that was another good move and great it move. sucks with it sucks with the pandemic between Moxley and McIntyre on on Raw both win like big titles the first time in their career I know Moxley was WWE champion but like this was the first time he was like the guy and this whole pandemic kind of screwed both of them it sucks yeah, it definitely does. And uh, I thought I thought Moxley did a really good job, man. It was just really nice to see, I'll tell you the truth, over the past year, it was really nice to see Moxley um, kind of have some, uh, some, I guess you would say, like life breathed into him. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was allowed to go off script and it really showed how, I think he would have been a great wrestler in the Attitude Era. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like 
like the the his ability to just like go full reign like hey you do your thing and uh he did awesome seeing him on the indies we got to see him were you with me in poughkeepsie we saw him at new or no yeah yeah pentagon i mean just like the dude was just doing epic matches on the circuit and uh yeah, it, it, it sucks that the pandemic happened during his, his AEW reign, but yep. I still think he did a great job carrying the company a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. So now we got Kenny Omega as the champion, and he's working with Impact. Don Callis is there. Um, I think it's going to be not long before Callis leaves Impact and comes to AEW full-time. But in the meantime, they're working together, and they've already announced that at Impact's next pay-per-view, Hard to Kill, uh, in mid-January, I believe it's the 16th, Kenny Omega's teaming up with the Good Brothers. Oh yeah, some some old buddies. Yeah, some old buddies. And I, admitting, admittingly, you know more about them than I do. I didn't really follow Japan back then and everything like that. But uh, I, I do like the Good Brothers, Anderson and Gallows. Um, have you ever seen Talking Shopamania? No, by hair it's great. Oh my god! It, as they say, it's so bad that it's good. It, it's unreal. Uh, if they do a third one, you have to watch it. It's just great content. And uh, I'm looking forward to the match. I think they're facing uh, Rich Swan and Motor City Machine Guns, I believe. Yes, that's exactly who they're facing. Yep. Yeah, so it should be a good match. I, I haven't really seen much of Swan outside of when he was on 205 Live. He's great. Yeah. yeah I, I never would have thought he would have been world champion from what he was on 205 Live to now he's the champion yeah. of Impact. I totally agree. I thought the same thing. And then seeing him on impact, I'm like, damn, this guy's freaking good, man. You know, again, it's, it's, it's really cool to see. I'll give you another example is juice Robinson out in in New Japan, but it's very interesting to see how the WWE's roster is just so friggin' packed that people are literally held back. You know, they're, they're held back from their, their charismatic friggin' breakouts and um, Rich Juan is one of those examples, you know, he, he's one of those examples of someone that just like, let him go, let him go and, yep. and, and, and give him free reign and, and he's going to take off and that's what he's doing for impact. And I think it's really cool with Omega teaming up with uh, uh, the good brothers um, reuniting with the old, old bullet club guys. And uh, I really like what they're doing with the gimmick. You know, he was Kenny the cleaner. Now he's Kenny the collector. And he's yep. going to go on this little belt collecting kick right now. And I think that's pretty cool. I'm excited for the cross promotion too. Definitely. So do you think with him being the collector, do you think he wins the impact title? I think he does, man. I yeah. think he does. That's my honest opinion. I think he does. Yeah, I think I think that'd be pretty awesome if he was champion of both brands. What 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 is your thought? You think he'll he'll win it? I do, I do, especially like with at, he's the collector now, so like it almost seems like it has to happen in order to like solidify the gimmick. And I don't know if it's ever happened, and if it has, it's been decades that one champion, one guy was the same champion in two major promotions. And you know, you could say what you want about major impact. promotions in America, right? Yeah, I, I believe he's the Triple A, which is the Lucha Libre. Uh, okay. Champion. If I'm yeah. not mistaken, I think he still has that title. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about Impact, but, like, they've hung on for, like, 15, going on 20 years. Like, I think I saw a stat that they're either – they've been in business longer than WCW or they're just about to be in business if they last till like, next year longer than WCW. It's kind of crazy to think about. That really is. And and they also – I think what, what is super amazing is that their ability to make it through um, – 
some really big setbacks. They had a couple of sales. They went from TNA to Impact, you know, to Impact Wrestling. And um, I, I believe they were sold at least twice in that transition. And um, yeah, they kept surviving. It goes to show that there's still at least big investors that are interested in wrestling, even if it's a quote unquote smaller promotion like Impact. But I was fortunate enough to go down. I went to, um, I want to say that it was one Bound for Glory and one Slam Aversary okay. down at Starland Ballroom. And uh, I think one of the really cool things about living in New York, obviously pre-pandemic, is the amount of wrestling that 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 hits this area between MLW and Impact and eventually freaking AEW, you know? Yeah. It sucks that Blood and Guts got canceled back in, I think it was March. Where was that supposed to be? Long Island? Uh, Newark. Newark, okay. Yeah, the Prudential Center. And uh, it was supposed to be what turned into the stadium stampede between like Inner Circle and the Elite. Yes. And it was supposed okay. to be a big, uh, like a war game style, the match beyond. But obviously the pandemic screwed that up. Yeah. So um, the Good Brothers, I, I think, I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow or, you know, sometime in early 2021, but I think they're going to be on Dynamite one of these weeks before, uh, before that pay-per-view. I, I definitely agree. They're going to, they're definitely going to pump that out there. And uh, what do they do? What do they do on the pay-per-view? Do they, I mean, what do they do on, on, uh, on dynamite? Do they come in and just uh, cut a promo? Do they have a match? What are you thinking? I think they'll have a match. Um, I could see a two week thing, maybe where they come in and cut a promo the first week and maybe they're interrupted by FTR who tell them, you know, they shouldn't be here that that's not their show and to go back to impact. And then, a week later, maybe we have a tag match or something. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Or or a tag match at the next pay-per-view on uh, AEW's pay-per-view. Yeah, I think their next pay-per-view is maybe late February, I want to say. I think they announced it. Uh, what is it, Revolution? Okay. So. Yeah, that would be some great buildup right there. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so speaking of AEW... What are your thoughts on everything going on with Jericho and MJF? I think um, I think that MJF is going to be a star, man. Like MJF to me reminds me of like a classic heel. Yeah, he, he, he is. He is so damn good, man. He's the best. I uh, I'm a big fan of the Major Wrestling Figure podcast with uh, Matt Cardona and Brian Myers. And uh, earlier this month, they did a uh, toy drive for Toys for Tots where they raised like over like. $70,000 in just action figures. Um, yeah, I saw that they had gone up. They, 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 uh, I think, I think it was, um, I want to say they did something like a little less than three their first year, a little less than five or around five in like, uh, their second year. And this was their third annual, I believe. And they almost yep. hit eight grand. I think it was like 7,900, something like that. And yep. uh, I think that's freaking awesome, man. Yeah. Did you see any of the videos? Because they had, uh, it was like a COVID safe meet and greet where like you walked in and you met like the dark order was there. They were there obviously. Oh really? Uh, Tommy dreamer, Taz and MJF. Uh, Cause Brian Myers trained MJF. Yes. So he was there and he never does like meet and greets or anything like that. And so basically he was in the far corner and it was a totally free event. All you had to do is like donate a toy to be there. And he's in the far corner and like there's video people go up to his table and if you donated it, donated a certain amount, he would sign like the print that he had to sign, but then people would bring more stuff. And, you know, like Cardona, Myers, Taz, they were all doing it for free. MJF was charging people 20 bucks an autograph. 
and like he would go up to you'd go up to him and he would like either sign they'd be like can you sign it in this yellow paint pen and he would grab like the black one and sign it in that instead and then push it on the floor little, little cheap heel he's so good it's so he, good. he's 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 definitely i think that uh he might be their next champion i think that 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 might be their next champ yeah i i know we texted about this a couple weeks ago and i think it was you who said i think hangman is going to be the one to beat yeah. omega yeah long-term booking i agree it's probably going to be hangman i agree but and then probably mjf be, after that yeah i think so yeah, he's, and he's so young too right is he like 25 26 not even he's like 23 my goodness yeah he he still has as long as he stays healthy he could have 15 20 years so so good man and, and it's and, funny funny getting trained by kurt hawkins like yeah like very similar to getting trained by the brooklyn brawler you know what i mean like, <laughs> the, the the career jobber you know yep yep I think though, I think Hawkins, his his legacy is going to be the people he trained because like, right now he's got MJF and Chris Statlander on AEW trained. Um, I don't know if you saw last week, uh, the Acclaimed. Have you heard of them? Are they a tag team? They're a tag team in AEW. They've been on Dark a lot, and um, he he trained one of those guys. And he, a lot of the people that he's been training for the last five years are now just starting to become something pretty big, and I think that's awesome. It's yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I think that sometimes, uh, so, sometimes your legacy speaks in in who you taught, you know, and who you trained and who came up. And I think that's super cool. I also, you know, obviously you know, but I'm um, I'm a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and I have my own school, and thus I have my own students, and um, I really to make the kind of I guess you would say the the uh, comparison between jujitsu and professional wrestling is jujitsu is like this artistic craft, you know, that a lot of people approach it with with you know passion and and they they have a love for it and they're always looking to improve and they study tape and they watch videos and they listen to podcasts and so on and so forth. And I feel that the current generation of professional wrestlers views professional wrestling like. I view jujitsu, you know, these guys are always looking to improve and they're practicing and they're trying to get better. They're trying to get better in the ring They're trying to get better out of the ring. And I, I definitely see some parallels between the art of jujitsu and the art of professional wrestling. And uh, that's why I got a lot of respect for, for Kurt Hawkins or any wrestling trainers that are bringing guys up who are just like otherworldly right now, like, like an MJF, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I, I believe Seth Rollins has a school, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, He's uh he uh, runs a lot of practices. Yep, I think his is called the uh, Black and Brave Academy out in Iowa, and uh, yeah, that guys, the more they train, the better they're gonna get. It sucks that like with the pandemic, I know we keep mentioning it, but it's taken so much from so many people, and like there's no seminars anymore. Like yeah. you can't get in the ring with and, and run drills with 20 people anymore. Like you gotta be lucky enough to have like like you said, Hawkins has a school in Long Island, so I know a couple couple days a week it seems like he's training people but very small amounts of classes and stuff and no seminars where you can go and yeah own your craft it's crazy and, and i feel like these guys that are like true students of the game i mean if you look at the wrestlers when when let's say you and i like we probably got into it like the end of the golden era right yep. but you look at some of the wrestlers back then and i mean to me i don't I don't really see that many guys that were technically savvy you know what i mean it was more they were, just, they were just gimmicks, you know, yep. where like 
I guarantee that MJF after his match with Moxley is watching tape to see where he made errors. You know what I mean? And had to improve. Absolutely. And that uh, goes a long way, you know, and I, I don't know who's doing that in WWE. I'm sure some people do it, but um, it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle. You might not have the opportunity to go and watch some tape, you know? Exactly. I was just watching on uh, the WWE network the other day, uh, Kevin Owens has a chronicle. Um, it's basically where like they have a camera follow somebody for a year or a month or whatever. Um, his, I think they followed him for like two or three weeks recently leading up to his match at TLC. And he was talking about how different everything is. And there's no more car rides. Like back in the day, like you'd get in the car after the show with, you know, a veteran or your friend and you would talk about the show and talk about, you know, how you can improve and all that stuff. But now they showed him, he literally left his house in Florida because all these guys live in Florida. He left his house in Florida, drove an hour to Tropicana Field, filmed the show, got in his car by himself and drove home. And he was saying how like, it's nice because he sleeps in his own bed and he spends more time with his family. But he's like, the learning is gone. Like hanging out after the shows are gone. Like talking about the business is just all gone. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And that's actually, that's uh, a, to be honest, another parallel with jujitsu is that social aspect of after a practice or after a tournament sitting there and reviewing your practice. And, and I mean, just overall having some good laughs and some, some good fun with no one else there. You know what I mean? I don't say no one else there, but like those guys are in a, a truck together or a van together and it's, it's just them, you know, and it's like yep. the same thing after practice, let's say there's 30 people at a practice, you know, there's five or six that are still, you know, hanging around BS and after class and, and, and reviewing stuff, you know, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of parallels. Definitely. Definitely. Um, back to MJF, we were talking about him before. Do you think Jericho somehow gets kicked out of the inner circle and MJF is the new leader? Do you think like the inner circle is going to split up into like two, three man teams or how do you think this is going to play out? Yeah. I mean, I don't really know. It definitely a splits coming down and I don't know if it's going to be split down the middle or if, I don't know if it's going to be Jericho and MJF. Um, I don't know. At first I thought maybe they were going to turn their back on MJF, you know, but it's yep. like, I, I feel just personally, if they turn their back on MJF, you turn, you, you, you give them that kind of like, uh, you know, the, 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 the baby face type, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like where people compassion, you know, people feel for him like, Oh, you know, like everyone turned their back on him. Yep. So I feel like you got to keep him as the bad guy and, and, and maybe move Jericho. What, what are your thoughts? I think definitely somehow Jericho ends up a baby face at all this. I mean, the crowd's already singing his song every week. He's, yes. he's a legend. He's, he's beloved by everybody. He's a great heel, but he's 50 years old. He already just had the, the AEW title. Like it's time for him to sort of not bow out, but just like embrace that legend role that he is. And like I said, he's the most over guy in the company in terms of fan participation. Cause whenever he comes out, that song plays, the crowd goes crazy. Like exactly. And he's smiling when he comes out to the ring now, like, but then he gets in the ring and he calls everybody stupid idiots and stuff. So it's just like, come on, like figure out where you're at, you know? Yeah. 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 I agree. I think that, uh, I don't want to see him just be, you know, I just don't want to see him be put into the role of just putting everybody over, you know, like, putting orange Cassidy over, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I, I wish that Jericho would have won that match, you know, but yeah, I, I get that he's got a job to do and uh, he's got, he's got stars to make. And 
I think that's important for any promotion to be able to consistently make new stars or build up stars. Um, Definitely. And speaking of new stars and, you know, we're talking about Jericho, one of the problems, like, I don't know if it's a real problem, but like just one of the things I noticed about AEW, I feel like the same guys are on TV every week. And I, I, I get that, but I'm okay with maybe not seeing Jericho every week. If it means maybe somebody like a Brody Lee gets a shot. Yes. Uh, you know, I know, I know the roster is huge. They have so many people, so many talented people. And it's just like, I know you got to feature like the champion and like all the big stuff, but I just think it's crazy how like a month will go by where you won't see uh, Brody Lee or you won't see uh, SCU on TV, even hangman sometimes. Like it's like two or three weeks where he's not on TV. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Do you think their roster's too big? I think their rosters. Uh, I, I do think their rosters big. You know, I'll, I'll say, but I won't say too big. I'll say big in comparison to uh, you know smaller promotions. But it's not big, obviously, in comparison to the the total wrestling moguls of WWE. Yeah. You know, where guys are not getting used nearly enough. I feel like this is just my personal opinion. I feel like the the issue with AEW is going to be because of what you're talking about is going to be making new stars. You know what I mean? Building that upper echelon of top two, you need to build multiple stars up. You know, you look at, I just actually just read this the other day, Drew McIntyre has passed the undertaker um, as Kim on combined days as WWE champion. And I, and, and that's interesting because it shows you that you could build a legacy without being a long lasting champion. I mean, for our youth, a lot of our youth undertaker wasn't champion, you know, obviously he won at at WrestleMania 13, but like, it's not like he held onto it for a very long time, like some of these other guys, but it just goes to show the importance that, you know, having the title doesn't necessarily equate to star power and you don't have to have that title to necessarily be a star. So yeah, I do think that the, that AEW rather is a, uh, needs needs to definitely work on building up some stars and doing that is going to take uh, obviously putting them in good storylines, but also kind of shuffling around who's sitting out for this week, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Speaking of building new stars, one way they can build a new star or they could do what WWE does and just keep using the older guys, but sting is an AEW now. Dude, that's so awesome. Do you think he wrestles? Do you think he no. just comes out every week and just stares at Cody Rhodes? Like what? Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be wrestling. I, I mean, maybe, but who knows? But, I, man, I was so shocked, so blown away when I saw his entrance and uh, hearing Tony Chavon just be like, it's Sting, you know? Yep. I thought that was, that was super cool. Absolutely. I just wonder, I wonder where they're going with this Sting and Cody uh, storyline. I think they're going to wrestle. You think so? I think – it's going to start with like a six man. Cause like they're feuding with team Taz, um, like Ricky Starks, Brian cage and uh powerhouse Hobbs. Yep. So I think it's going to be Darby sting and Cody against team Taz. Um, maybe on a dynamite, but I'd say probably at the next pay-per-view then uh, I think we'll get a sting and Darby match in there. And then ultimately a sting and Cody match where probably Cody beats him, And that's stings last ever match. Um, from what I've read, I know he didn't seem too happy with his last WWE match against Seth that, Rollins. Yeah, that's where he got injured, right? That he was got like, hurt, yeah. Quote, unquote, career ending. Yeah, there's a documentary on the network about it where, like, he talks about it and Rollins talks about it and stuff. And, hey, I mean, 
if he's okay to wrestle healthy enough, then by all means, a match with Cody probably wouldn't be terrible. But yeah. what I don't like is like you read on the internet, all these people, like when it happened, don't get me wrong. I loved it when it happened. I was excited. Like I didn't see it coming, anything like that. But people on the internet were like, oh, this is great. Stings in AEW, stings in AEW, stings in AEW. But when Goldberg shows up on SmackDown, everyone's like, oh, this is to- so bad. Like they're burying WWE for bringing in the old guy. And I don't really see the big difference. Yeah. I mean, if I want to play, I'll play the devil's advocate here. And I think that the the burying of Goldberg is the fact that they put him into title contention off the bat. True. You know, it's like here. Here, all these people have been working, you know, through the independent ranks and coming up through the independent promotions and they make it to the, the, the big picture and they've been literally traveling 300 days a year and then Goldberg comes in and just takes the title, you know? Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. I hated that Goldberg was there. I thought it was stupid that he beat The Fiend, won the title, only to hold it for like three weeks until WrestleMania just to lose it and don't get me wrong. I do not like Goldberg in WWE. I, I'm over that. I just think it's funny how people are like praising AEW for bringing in Sting, yet they'll shit on WWE for bringing in Goldberg or anybody. You know, Undertaker comes back and people are like, "Oh, this is so stupid. Like he's old." Blah blah blah. What's the big difference? Yeah, I mean, one, I'll say this: Sting looks to be in shape. Okay. So, so I, I, if, if he, I didn't think, to be honest, you, you're convincing me kind of that he might have a match, but I didn't think he was going to have a match at all. Um, and now that you, you're kind of put it in those terms, uh, maybe you're right. I think maybe he will have a match, but I will say this when I saw him come in, he does look like he is in good shape. Um, I do think that Cody is probably the perfect person to pair him with because I think that Cody's a fairly good in ring worker and really doesn't do any dangerous shit in the ring, uh, like a Rollins, in my opinion. And um, yeah, I, th- I think it has the potential to be good. And with that said is that the WWE kind of algorithm has been consistently, let's bring in attitude era guys yep. and, and still get crowd pops from them. Maybe we'll get some of that older crowd back in here to, you know, tune in for a couple of weeks or so on and so forth where AEW actually has taken a pretty interesting approach and, they haven't brought in that many veterans and the veterans that they did bring in weren't WWE stars, you know, bringing in Arn and Tully and, and, yep. and whatnot. And uh, you know, that's going to be a niche audience that knows these guys We're sting. Obviously everyone knows him, but they're not bringing him in in that role that like, you know, the, in the capacity that WWE or the quantity that WWE brings him in. Definitely. And uh, one of the reasons I think sting will have a match was last year about at this time, AEW put DDP in the ring at the age of 64 or whatever he is in a six man tag. And I think he got the pin and hit the diamond cutter, but like, they're not against putting these guys in the ring if they're, if they can go. So, yeah, that was an interesting one too. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Yeah. Sting man. Sting just has this kind of, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I was kind of excited to see him to be totally honest. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I never watched WCW as a kid. Um, obviously, I knew who Sting was and everything. But even when he came to WWE, I was just kind of like, all right, no big deal. I know a lot of people were pissed when Triple H beat him at WrestleMania. But I was like, no, like Triple H should beat him. Like, he, yeah. that's, he's WWE. Like, that's, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't really, I like Sting, but he's never been one of my favorites. So I could sort of take him or leave him. 
what do you think is going to happen with uh, what do you think is going to happen with cross promotion as far as WWE goes? I know recently, I think I read something that it might have been Triple H. I could be totally wrong on that, by the way, but saying that they they were not opposed to cross promotion. Yeah, I read that too. It was Triple H on like one of the NXT calls. Um, I don't think it happens. I think they have to do something. They have to, they have to. And so I I don't know if he was signed with anybody at the time. I believe he might've been a free agent, but earlier this year, I believe NXT did bring in Alex Shelley to team with Kushida to like reform their team in Japan. So like, I guess maybe you can consider that a cross promotion if he was signed somewhere or something, but like, it's very unlikely. I think he just said that because he just saw what happened with Kenny and impact and everything. And I think he just doesn't want to get left behind. I could see NXT doing it before a raw or a SmackDown for sure, but I still just don't see it. I, well, the WWE has to do something, you yeah. know, in, in, in my opinion, they have to do something. Obviously they're the biggest promotion there is, but you know, Brian Alvarez of the figure four online or wrestling observer, either one, um, he said something last week that I, that I thought really resonated. And that was that, you know, you have right now what we're seeing play out essentially between AEW and WWE is the greatest roster of all time versus uh, competent storytelling and competent storytelling is trumping the uh, best roster of all time. And they're doing it by obviously being creative and, 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 you know, bringing in some, some really quality, I guess you would say independent talent, you know, like from all over the place, from from ROH, from New Japan and and Impact and so on and so forth. Um, Even some obviously former WWE guys, but the formula seems to be working out well for AEW. And I mean, I know Impact already has a working relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. I know there was some bad blood, or I believe there was some bad blood between AEW and New Japan because I mean, New Japan hired Jericho, the Bucks, uh, Omega, you know, and then and then they start their own organization, even Moxley, and, yep. and and then they go and they start their own promotion and they they stop working as many dates over in Japan. So there was some bad blood, and but uh, I definitely think we're going to see New Japan get into that mix, and maybe even Ring of Honor. I, I don't know Ring of Honor. I don't know how Ring of Honor is still holding on, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's like you know all of these companies teaming up spells trouble for WWE in my mind, regardless of how much talent they have, because I mean, when you have so much talent, how can you, uh, you, you can't have a storyline that lasts over three, three weeks, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, honestly, and as far as WWE goes, the best thing they have going on lately has been Roman Reigns since he's come back, uh, at SummerSlam he's just been on fire his feud with uh, Jay Uso elevating a tag team guy like who I never would have thought he would have been in a pay-per-view main event for a title let alone in a hell in a cell match uh, did you happen to see that or no I didn't but I, I heard it was absolute fireworks yeah and then to go from there to Kevin Owens right now but I feel like like you just sort of mentioned like they have too much talent and I'm already hearing like rumors that at the Royal Rumble, it's going to be Roman versus Daniel Bryan. His feud with Kevin Owens has only been going on since after Survivor Series. So it's only been a couple weeks. And they just had a TLC match 
the other day and this coming Friday on SmackDown, they're going to have a cage match. And I assume that's probably going to be the end of the feud because we'll be into the new year and the Royal Rumble's coming up and they'll probably switch him over to face, you know, Daniel Bryan. But like the stuff between Roman and Owens is so good that it could go on for months. Like this could go through WrestleMania. Yeah. Well, if you remember when we were kids, uh, let's see, Survivor Series 96 was was Austin and 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 uh, Austin and Brett. So yep. so that let's say the build up for that starts early November, late October, like back then, 96. Yep. And so they go, they have an epic match, by the way. It's one of my favorite matches of all time is that Absolutely. match. And then, you know, Brett steps away for another two months, reappears at the Rumble, you know, uh, they have their little bit of a, 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 a exchange at the rumble yep. lead to the, I believe it was the fatal four way. I remember the fatal four way. I believe that's what led to it because Brett yeah, yeah. eliminated Austin and then Austin came, comes back in. And then long story short, they feud at WrestleMania, yep. you know, so you got, you got a storyline that leads you from late October, early November, all the way until March or April, you know? Yep. And, and then that, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think it even continued after that because at Canadian stampede in July, it was That's Brett's right. team against Austin's team. Yeah. They still were going back and forth there. Uh, you know, and then even I think a transition to Austin facing Owen at Owen. SummerSlam yeah. where he got hurt. So yeah, he was feuding with Brett essentially for the better part of a year. Yeah. Great long-term friggin' booking, man. Great long-term booking. Yep, definitely. Um, we're talking about Roman Reigns. That's what, probably my favorite thing going on on WWE right now. Uh Probably the weirdest thing going on in WWE right now is uh, the Fiend getting burned alive the other day at TLC. Oh, God. <laughs> By God. <laughs> what do you think about that? Like, obviously, I'm, I know you saw, like, the clip of it and stuff. Like, he was burned, and obviously it wasn't him or whatever, but, like, they essentially committed a murder <laughs> on live television. Yeah, good thing there was no audience members there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Do you think he comes back just the same way that he is? Do you think he changes up the gimmick a little bit? Like, I don't really know. I know that he's got, you know, he's a star and he's yeah. got star potential written all over him, you know? Um, but yeah, he comes back like everything's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's crazy because like, I feel like they, it's, it's either been a long, long time or they never have screwed up a talent as much as they have with Bray Wyatt slash the fiend, like his original stuff, you know, with the Wyatt family, like that, that was good. Epic. And then he went, then he went on and he, you know, he lost to undertaker at WrestleMania. He lost to John Cena at WrestleMania. He, him and the Wyatt family got punked out by the rock at the following WrestleMania. And then he went away essentially. Like, and he comes back as the fiend. Everyone's like loving it. It's great. He beats Finn Balor at SummerSlam, like in a dominant fashion. He beats The Miz. Then he feuds with Seth Rollins, and it's kind of not the best. He wins the title only to hold it for two months and lose to Goldberg. Yeah. And he hasn't recovered since then. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen what he's been partnered with Alexa Bliss lately. Yes, I did see that. Yep. And that's good. Like, I, I think it's entertaining. I think she's like doing great at the role and everything, but like, he feuds with Orton and you set him on fire. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't get what they're, what they're going. I don't get what their angle is, you no. know, something insane, but I can't see it working out uh, well for either him or them, you know, yeah. like, the guy's a star. Absolutely. I feel like too, he should never have been with the title. 
Like that character does not need the championship because eventually when you have the championship, you have to lose. Yeah. And the, the fiend should never lose. Like it's like that old undertaker character. Yeah. You know, the title, you know, that, that run. Exactly. Know? And that's why undertaker never really had the title. Like, I think he had it six times, which six times over 30 years is crazy. It's not that much, you know? Not Yeah. When you have well, guys like it was like 234 days was his combined reign, which is not a lot when you when you see McIntyre's already had it for 236 days, yep. 237 days. Exactly, and I know the Fiend gets compared to the Undertaker a lot, but like that's one of the things they should have done with that is just make that character so special that like when he gets the title, it really means something, and then when whoever beats him, it really means something. Not have him lose to Goldberg in Saudi Arabia in. I think the match was six minutes. Yeah. And that's another aspect too, right? It's like, um, it's like uh, the, the money that's getting thrown around by the Saudis to, to put on some wrestling, the WWE is willing to diminish their product all in the name of a gigantic payday. Yep. The, you know, they don't, they don't realize it has long-term effects, man. Absolutely. Did you hear the, uh, when they first started doing the Saudi shows, uh, the Prince over there asked for the ultimate warrior and Yokozuna and Yokozuna. Yes. <sighs> yeah, man. It's kind like, of bizarre. Really? Like from what I've heard, he, you know, he's a huge fan of WWE and that's why like the deal went through and everything, but you would think if you're such a big fan, you would know those guys were no longer with us. Like, yeah, they've been dead one of them for almost 20 years like scary it, man it's yeah. insane it's insane scary times but the uh yeah the the, the saudi deal and, and then they had the whole thing did any did anything else ever come out about them stopping the the plane on the on the way <laughs> for hours so nothing i guess like official but when the good brothers were promoting talking shop of mania um they did a like a shoot interview basically a shoot podcast where they talked about that a little bit and they just basically they said nothing really came of it but like they start they were getting scared and like they were told like you know just they gotta stay on the plane and it turned out to be they were on the plane for like 18 hours or something crazy yeah, something insane yeah and like they were saying like you know basically making a joke about how like all the guys, all the top guys were gone. Like they got the private plane out of there and it was all like kind of the jabronis, as they said, that were still sitting there thinking like, are we going to live or, and <laughs> they just kept talking about how like Gallows just kept getting drunk just to pass the time. And he was getting more like anxious as, as the time went on. But eventually they said it started to, you know, roll away and then fly away. And they never really heard a real reason. So wild. Yeah. And the rumors you hear about it, about like Vince not getting his money. I, he pulled the plug on that show in Saudi, like probably like 15 seconds before it ended. So like they didn't get to see the final, like the final few seconds. And I guess like the Prince was pissed and that's what happened, why they were grounded over there. Yeah, that's what I heard. Something, something like that. Like, I guess the Prince owed Vince money or something like yeah. that. Vince played along up until 15 seconds left of the show. Yeah. And only Vince McMahon would like try to fight an entire like government like that where like it's probably not the best idea this is a great segue by the way how do you feel about vince still having creative control in a modern era that would be like i don't know that would be like one of these old guys from from the 80s in their in their old school 60s mindset trying to you know 
basically make 60s wrestling happen in the 80s. You, you know what yep. I'm trying to say? What, is, so, what are your thoughts? I think it's time for him to release creative control. I get that he still wants to be involved. And I'm sure even at 75, 76 years old, whatever he is, he still has some good ideas, but he shouldn't be the final say. He could still like attend the creative meetings and all that sort of stuff, but maybe it's time to let Triple H have the final say because he's got his hand on the pulse. I mean, NXT, it's good. Like the storytelling is so much better in NXT. The matches are so much better in NXT typically. I think it's time for Vince, you know, to not be the final say, not go away completely, but just release the reins a little bit. And I think going back to like, uh, you listen to some of these guys, like I love Jim Cornette and Jim Cornette says some crazy stuff and, yep. and he's got a bit of an old school mindset himself, but like the, the thing is like Vince back in the day was, I mean, notoriously a big guy guy, you know what I mean? He wanted all big guys like, and what we're seeing in NXT is you ain't got to be a big guy to, to, to put on absolutely terrific matches. Yeah. And I, it's funny because you see a lot of these older wrestlers talk out against, you know, you see Brett's always talking out against these guys and too small and this and that Billy Graham, all, all, all these individuals come out and talk about how small some of these guys are, but then you see, you know, uh, for, for, for what it's worth, you see Shawn Michaels working down there as a trainer and, and, and helping these guys put on some of the most charismatic and like, you know, em emotional matches, I guess you would say is the, the right word. And uh, yeah, it, it's super interesting to see that you don't have to be six foot six, 285 pounds of rock solid muscle to, to get over. Yeah, absolutely. And Proof of that is somebody that I was sleeping on for many years. I know you were singing his praises long before I barely knew who he was, but you look at Adam Cole. Yeah. I don't think he's had a bad match or a bad segment since he's been in NXT. And it's crazy because I don't know what they bill him as, but I'm five foot eight and I got a picture of me and him and I, my forehead is totally above the top of his head. Yeah. You know I mean? It looks like I'm the famous person, but, you know, like <laughs> yep. a picture with me, you know? Absolutely. Did you see any of his matches with Pat McAfee or did you see the war games match from a couple weeks ago? I got to be honest. I haven't. Okay. Pat McAfee probably is besides Ronda Rousey, probably the best celebrity to ever come in and have a match in terms of just like the match Talent. quality. Yeah, Yeah. And I mean, it helped that he was in there with Adam Cole, but like, I mean, Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, and Pat McAfee are like the three people who I've seen come in and just pick it up as good as they have. Like, it's pretty insane. Is, is McAfee still around or is that a one-off? No, he um, – so he wrestled Adam Cole in August one-on-one. -on -one, and in the first match, like, he took, like – he took the Panama Sunrise, which was just unbelievable. And then, like, he was he was gone from TV for a couple weeks, came back, and uh, he aligned himself with Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch and Pete Dunne. And then they faced the Undisputed Era uh, last two weeks ago in a War Games match that uh, Undisputed Era won, but it was just insane. McAfee did a swanton off the top of the cage on everybody. Like, it, it was it was impressive. That, that's awesome. And uh, speaking of Undisputed Era, um, Kyle O'Reilly's another guy that I – it's funny, just just a couple months back, I was, I was talking about how, you know um, – Kyle O'Reilly was just kind of get lost in the shuffle yep. and didn't see much of him and yada, yada. And he's a great talent, a great talent. And he had that match. Was it uh it was Pete Dunn uh, last week? Yeah. Yeah. 
great match. Yep. And, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, they, they got a lot of talent down there in NXT. And I wonder what's going to happen. You know, does does Vince and WWE continue to pay these guys a half a million dollars just to not go to the uh, to to the the uh, competitor? You know, in AEW. Yep. Or uh, does he got to release some of this roster and these guys got to snatch him up? Yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, so speaking of undisputed era, we're talking about like things you know that could be good for WWE and Vince creatively and all that. I don't know if you saw, but they are announced last night on Raw that in two weeks on the first episode of Raw in 2021, I believe January 4th, they're dubbing it Legends Night. And it's because the ratings have been down and significantly down lately. And uh, they're trying to give a shot in the arm to the company and everything. And they announced like Flair, um, Hogan, uh, I think maybe Tori Wilson, uh, Shawn Michaels probably is on there. Like it's, it's a legend tonight. So I was thinking how great it would be if that show ended where you have some legend in the ring. Obviously you can't do flair. Cause like he's not healthy enough to like do anything physical, but you have the legends in the ring and the show ends with the undisputed era attacking them would be and amazing. just laying like you have like HBK and even triple H like in there with all the legends and they come out and they just like, kind of Nexus style, just attack everybody and just destroy the place. Go bash up the Thunderdome screens and all that stuff. And then just get in the ring and hit their pose and the show goes off the air. Like, yeah. That would get people talking. I love it. I love the stable. I, 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 so good. I think that would be absolutely awesome. And I mean, what else is there for them to do in NXT at this point? Like they've been there for like three, four years. And I don't want to see them split up. And I feel like where else really is there to go down there? You know? Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, yeah, that would be absolutely amazing to have those guys. Yeah. They, they're just, man, they're, they're, they're such a good stable. They really are such a good stable. Definitely. And uh, as we wind down here, we got a, I got a few more questions for you. We're entering yeah. 2021. The Royal Rumble kicks us off on the road to WrestleMania and who do you think is the early favorite to win the Royal Rumble this year? Men's and women's. All righty. Um, so keep in mind right now on SmackDown, Roman Reigns is the champ. On Raw, Drew McIntyre is the champ. And uh, Asuka is the Raw women's champ. And Sasha Banks is the SmackDown women's champ. And I don't see any of them really losing until WrestleMania. Do you think they throw Orton back in the mix? I could see it. I could see it. The only thing I was thinking is that Orton just feuded with McIntyre. So I don't see him. I don't see that match happening at WrestleMania again. Um, for the men's. Can't he choose or no? Can't he choose to, to who he wants to go? He with? could. He could go over and face Roman, I guess, on SmackDown. And I could see that. That would actually be pretty good. Um, Styles obviously just feuded with with uh, same thing. Styles yep. just feuded with. Yep. I'm thinking Big E. Yes. Okay. They've split him from the New Day, and actually, right. uh, this week on SmackDown, um, if you're listening to this when this drops, it'll be have already happened. It's Christmas night. Uh, Big E is wrestling Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Title, and I think they do the switch where Big E gets the IC title. So. 
they're clearly building him towards something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's uh, I, I, someone else had mentioned, one of my students mentioned that to me, that he's going to get a big push. And yeah. you're right. I, I think Big E is the sleeper. You know what? I, I say I say Orton or someone like Styles because, like, I know with Vince in there, they're always going to go with a guy that they rely on. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the Orton or the Styles. But, yeah, you're right. Big E's definitely that, that, that guy that can that can do it. Could you imagine, though, if what I said before, Undisputed Era comes in on January 4th, takes out the Legends, Adam Cole enters the Rumble, wins it, goes on to face McIntyre or Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, like, would be unbelievable. Would be unbelievable, and it would be a phenomenal match. Yep. Adam, Cole, Adam Cole's amazing. Yep, absolutely. Baby. <laughs> it would be awesome, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to... What's that? Who do you got for the women's? Who do you have oh, for the yeah. uh, for the women's rumble? She, I'm going with I'm going with Ivory. Ivory, hey, she could. Maybe she might make a return. I think she was in it last year and got eliminated pretty quick, but maybe maybe 2021 is her year. Molly Holly. All right, fine. Molly okay. Holly. All right. Uh I think Bianca Belair could be a good pick. I don't really get the hype over her, but I see uh, a lot of people are talking about her. Um, and then honestly, it really depends on how quickly everything heals, I guess. But Becky Lynch had her baby at the end, at the beginning of December, the Royal Rumble is January 31st. I mean, I don't think it's that far off. Damn, that would be quick though. That's, that's, uh, it would be quick. Around. It would be quick, but who knows who knows and speaking of that what if she just makes an appearance you think she makes an appearance you think she's going to be in the match i think more likely an appearance but i could see her i mean i don't know how long all that takes or whatever but i'm sure she has a personal trainer and a nutritionist and all that stuff to help her out so it might uh it might be all right but yeah i could see an appearance maybe somebody wins it and then she comes out on the stage yeah, I mean, uh, I could see that. I, I, I definitely. I mean, she's a huge star, obviously, and uh, that would that would be that would be big. Um, definitely. I'm trying to think who else. Carmella, they've been pushing. She just had a match against Sasha Banks at the pay per view uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, she's good, man. She doesn't get the credit she deserves. Like Carmella. Yeah, she's really good. Like, if you get a chance, go watch her and Sasha uh, from TLC. Like going into it i was just kind of like whatever because i'm not the biggest sasha banks fan but it was it was an awesome match probably one of my favorite on the show and honestly that show was actually really good the for as much crap wwe gets lately their pay-per-views the last like three of them survivor series hell in a cell and tlc were really really good sasha's just been crushing it man yeah she's been crushing it i was wondering if she was going to get any heat on her for uh, snoop appearing in AEW coming up, but seems like not yet. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I uh, yeah, I'm 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 definitely glad to see her getting some push. The last thing I want to say is about the whole. Where, where do you stand with this whole uh, no no third party streaming services like the whole Twitch ban? So I understand where they're coming from. They technically own the rights to these characters and these names and everything, but I don't see. I don't see why like Big E, for example, can't have a cameo just as Itor, which is his real name. Like if you don't want him to use the Big E name, I get it because you own it technically, 
but don't take money out of these people's pockets. Like let them still have some way to make some extra money. I know like Xavier Woods, he's big on the gaming with up, up, down, down and AJ Styles and everything. Like I heard that AJ Styles, uh, Xavier Woods and Sasha were in Connecticut. I think yesterday. Um, yeah. It's over this. Yeah. I had heard something like that too. And uh, I just think, let it go. Like, I think this is another area where AEW, I think that the grand strategy, the grand strategy for victory comes in small decisions that add up over time, small good decisions that add up over time. And like, I mean, it's just AEW's out there telling people to, to put their, give their, their, their streams and their usernames a shout out on live TV. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that's what the talent wants to do. I figured that a lot of these people probably lost a lot of money with the pandemic, Absolutely. you know, on merchandise and so on and so forth. And, yep. you know, and, uh, you know, the, to take some more of their money away is just not cool. Definitely. And then you see WWE, I saw, I think it was yesterday, they announced that Drew McIntyre is now on Cameo for a whopping $400 a pop. And they're going to get a cut of that. So that's the whole thing. It's like, they take it, they want to control everything. Yeah. Like if a, I, would, I get he's the champion, but if I was McIntyre, I'd say, no, I'm not doing it. Cause you're taking a cut. Like I'll do it on my own time and make the money for myself. But yeah, like, it's just crazy, man. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's bizarre. And I feel like that's definitely a big Vince thing, you know, definitely, definitely. And now before we wrap up here, um, I want you to plug your stuff and everything in a minute, but I have one qu- final question for you. I should know this but I don't really. And I wonder if you remember, we've known each other since 1993. I've been meaning to ask you this for years and I just never have. I started watching wrestling. My first show was WrestleMania 12 in March of 96. And I just remember about that day, like my parents ordered it and the whole family sat in front of the TV and watched it for, you know, the duration of the show. Did you ever show me like, did you ever show me wrestling before that? Or did you just talk about it? Like, I don't know how I ended up on March 31st, 1996, sitting in front of WrestleMania 12. I think, I think we had started watching it like a little bit beforehand because, you know, obviously I remember one time we went to Walmart with your dad and, and uh, he had asked me if I wanted anything. And so I said, I don't want anything, but will you buy this WWF Raw magazine for my dad, you know? And I already <laughs> had the Raw magazine. You know, when you're a kid, you just do crazy things. Like yeah, that, yeah. You know? And so, like, I think that you had been watching it with me or at least, like, looking at my figures. Okay. Like this this um, probably got you watching it beforehand. You know okay, I mean? yeah. Was- have, yeah. In my opinion, you had to have been watching it a little bit before then. I want to say we watched the uh, – the the Michaels the HBK and Owen number one contender match on the in your house beforehand okay and that's what led to it okay yeah I I always wondered like how I just convinced my parents at six years old to spend twenty dollars man remember when WrestleMania was nineteen ninety nine I know dude nineteen ninety five right yeah nineteen ninety five yeah crazy crazy man before the network it was like I think like eighty bucks was like the last one on pay per view just insane how yeah. times have changed. All right, man. Well, this was fun, man. Before we get out of here, like plug your stuff. I know uh, Evolution Grappling Academy, like you got a Facebook, Twitter, anything you want to Sure. Plug? Yeah. I'm not really on social media, although I have it. So I've got an Instagram, but I'm really on it. And uh, 
think my Instagram name is uh, Mike Paladino BJJ. My Facebook is Evolution Grappling Academy. And uh, my website is evolution-bjj.com. Sounds good, man. Um, are you doing classes still with the pandemic? Or? Yeah, yeah, I'm still doing classes during the pandemic. Cool, cool. All right, man. Well, thanks so much for doing this. This is fun. And you uh, bet, man. I had, a, I had a good time. Definitely. Me too. I, I could, we could continue this for hours, but uh, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time and we'll definitely do this again. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate hey, man. it. No problem. Take care, man. All right. Later. Later. What's up, everybody? Uh, I just wanted to jump on here and just talk a little bit about the passing of Brody Lee. As you heard in the episode earlier, uh, Mike and I discussed actually how we wanted to see him featured on TV more often. Obviously, we didn't know about his illness and untimely passing. Um, The episode was recorded on December 22nd, just a few days uh, before he unfortunately passed away. Yeah, it just sucks. And uh, just wanted to jump on here and just send my condolences to his family and his friends and just everybody affected by it. Uh, as you can see from social media, he clearly was a great guy and everybody's been sharing their stories and pictures and everything. And it's just a sad situation, but uh, I felt it was necessary to mention it here on uh, the podcast, especially since we had talked about him just a few days before about how we wanted to see him, you know, do more. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I just felt it was necessary to jump back on here and just say a little something. Uh, Anyway, um, rest in peace, Brody Lee.